Welcome to episode 189 of the Grip Strip Podcast, a survival time episode of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm with my co-host, the iRacing Indy 500 champion, computer genius, gentleman, and a scholar, and somebody whose uh, team comes off of a victory in London. His name is Joshua Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. And of course, uh, yes, for all Jacksonville Jaguars fans, it's a uh, victory Monday here, uh, the day after they win in London. First uh, victory since uh, the opening week. Uh, first victory in Toy Story Canon since they played the game in Andy's room on Disney Plus, which was interesting. Uh, and yeah, they get back on track uh, for now uh, before. Uh, going into a matchup in the Josh Allen Bowl uh, in London again. So uh, that's good. Um, of course, saw a lot of good racing this weekend at Talladega as usual. And, yeah, glad to get into it. Yeah, we'll get into the Talladega Cup race, which saw YRB Ryan Blaney win a third for a third time at Talladega in a photo finish, uh, this time initially over Kevin Harvick, but after post-race inspection, Kevin Harvick uh, got disqualified. So the results and the point situation definitely gets affected by all of that. I would assume uh, we'll get into that. We'll also talk about the Truck Series uh, race, which saw uh, Brett Moffitt, Red Hat Moffitt, get a win. They were trying to sell it as though he was like looking for a ride which only in brett moffitt's world could he go and napalm himself out of a team when there there's been nothing going on they just do their thing all season and um he just gets himself he's putting himself into um into a bad situation every time he's been around but uh we'll talk about the truck series talk about the cup series we'll preview the roval um for cup and xfinity also get into the Nick Sanchez Matt Crafton fight in air I'll put it in air quotes because it really wasn't a fight. Um Crafton sucker punched Nick Sanchez after um they got together and triggered the big one. Uh so there we'll get it we'll talk about that. Um we'll talk about NFL week four for the Jaguars and the forty ers Of course they Niners come off of winning a divisional uh, division game against the Arizona Cardinals to get to 4-0. They'll be on Sunday night football this coming weekend against the Dallas Cowboys. So a uh, big game there. First, I think one of the first major tests for the 49ers. Uh, the Eagles are also 4-0, but they definitely haven't done it in the same ma- manner as they did last year, but they are 4-0. So that's leading to a collision course uh, for sure in week 11 talk about fantasy teams as well uh and uh the fall brawl league um gsp roundup will include moto gp moto 2 world super bikes nhra a preview of the bathurst 1000 and uh andretti global being uh approved for formula one as a uh approved as a as the 11th team for f1 so that'll be something we can discuss uh large a large part of that is due to the gainbridge guy same way as why they're involved with spire and why spire's got like money out the ass to go and buy this that and everything 
I can bring up Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, being bought out by Spire as well. I'll put that in there. Uh, ABM bought by Spire. All right, so we'll preview the Qatar Grand Prix, make our picks behind the guy who's going to end up uh, winning the world championship during the sprint race on Saturday. Uh, see what happens with that. It'll be a, there's an interesting battle with the other teams that are there. Cup and Xfinity Roval picks and who advances uh, one of the more chaotic races of the season. The Roval and they've reintroduced stage breaks for the sake of having restarts and wrecks. Um, so we'll see what, and where they're restarting the race is also just a recipe for disaster too. Josh will let us know all things going on in the world of uh, iRacing and gaming in the sim segment and we'll close the deal. So yeah, let's get into it. The yellow wood pressure treated pine 500 uh, that uh, Talladega Oh, wow. Iowa Speedway is going to get a cup race. Wow, that'll be something. Um, the Talladega, 70 lead changes amongst 24 drivers. So that's a pretty um, sporty race for sure. Uh, Joey Logano led the most laps in the race, started second, led the most laps. Didn't win a stage. Brad Keselowski won uh, stage two. Blaney won stage one. William Byron was second in both stages, interestingly enough, uh, racing, just racing for uh, trying to get the playoff points or whatever since he's already locked in to the round of eight. We'll get into the results here before we get into the discussion. Ryan Blaney gets the victory, his uh, ninth Cup Series win, his second win of 2023 over Byron. Dennis Hamlin was third. Corey LaJoy from 36th, he finished 4th. Gumby Sindrick was 5th. Justin Haley, 6th. William Clyde Elliott, the 2nd, was 7th. Uh, uh, Ryan Priest, a.k.a. Um, what do you call Ricky Bobby, finished 8th. And the Wonder Bread car, Riley Herbst, who qualified 6th uh, in a 3rd front row motorsports car, was up front for a good amount of the day, uh, finished 9th. That's the second top 10 in the Cup Series, I believe. Uh, Daniel Suarez rounded out the top 10. Uh, Daniel, or Chandler Smith, 11th. Todd Gilland, oh, I was wrong. I, I thought Briscoe was further back, yeah. So Bris, Chase Briscoe, who was Cal Naughton Jr., finished 13th. Christopher Bell, Larson Reddick, Al Marola, who started on pole, Truex Busher, and uh, A.J. Allmendinger rounded out the top 20. Uh, Darrell Walsh Jr., 23rd. Kyle Busch, 25th. Brad Keselowski um, triggered the big one, 32nd. Carson Hosevar was competitive, but then was involved in that wreck. Ross Chastain finished 37th. And he's mentioned Kevin Harvick got DQ'd and uh, ended up finishing dead last. So it's, I mean, it shows once again, I think for Ryan Blaney, he has become that that guy on super speedways where, he is cautiously aggressive compared to his teammate Joey Logano and his former teammate Brad Keselowski, who are more likely to get involved in incidents and or possibly trigger wrecks. Ryan Blaney is more cautious, but his methodology has seemingly put himself in position to win a lot at Talladega. It hasn't worked out as well at Daytona, 
but you know he got to go and kiss his smoking hot girlfriend in victory lane and get the 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 interesting trophy there locks himself into the round of eight gives himself momentum uh going to tracks especially i think las vegas which is one of his better racetracks um to possibly go and give himself an opportunity to get into the final four which considering what has been going on with ford for most of the year if a ford makes the final four to be a miracle but it doesn't seem as far-fetched uh especially considering blaney's relative competitiveness for the most part of this season but a win is a win the timing is great for yrb but um and uh fords of course seem to do well at the plate tracks but there was uh plenty of variety at the front of the field and uh but blaney was the one who got to um celebrate uh yesterday josh yeah ryan blaney uh pulled off a clutch win there at the end um yeah i mean i think his strategy at restrictor plate or super speedway drafting tracks whatever you want to call it now um he's been somebody who yeah he doesn't do any aggressive blocking really but he always manages to find a way to stay up front once he gets uh, uh up to the top five um so he doesn't have to lead and he knows when to try and make the move um because you know obviously um you're better off being in second i think than uh being in the lead uh at these races um obviously it's you know blocking um in the old car was better than this car but um you know it's a better better to um be the pusher trying to go for the win uh than having to defend um so we saw him you know earlier this year talladega had a chance uh, on the last lap to win, uh, got into it with Bubba Wallace and triggered the big one there. Uh, Daytona at, uh, the one that I went to the Coke zero 400, you know, definitely had a chance to win there. Um, you know, going into stage two on the final lap and got taken out there. Um, you know, he's usually a contender, uh, at these races, you know, last year's Daytona 500 was right there before Cindric, his teammate blocked him, uh, into the fence. So, and we've seen it before, and obviously um, this is the third time he's won at Talladega uh, in a photo finish. So, um, yeah, it says a lot about his methodology and uh, his uh, racecraft on these type of tracks and you know how he's able to handle the pressure. So, um, you know, he, he's able to grab the lead on the last lap, had a huge run, uh, and was able to push out uh, Kevin Harvick far out and then lay back. Uh, just far enough to get kind of a gap. And then uh, once there was an opportunity between him and uh, William Byron there, he was able to shoot the gap and, uh, you know, take the take the lead from uh, Harvick there going into turn three and four at uh, Talladega. So, yeah, just, a, you know, interesting finish there, interesting race. And, of course, for Blaney, locks himself into the round of eight. Uh, going into this race, he was on the outside looking in, sitting in 11th uh here in the round of 12 so um now he locks himself in and um a lot of people were saying uh well at least dale jr um in terms of uh who could make up the final four i think he had him picked and for most of this year you know team penske they really haven't had a whole lot of pace uh, outside of these big tracks and um you know he did win the coke 600 but outside of that i mean as a whole team penske as an organization hasn't been very quick and so it was really hard to picture him being in uh that group but 
you know, now he's made it to the round of eight. So he definitely has a couple of chances here after this uh, round finishes up to try and make it into uh, the final four. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But, um, you know, he gets the win. Uh, Kevin Harvick, who had a shot, ends up getting disqualified, which um, if he had won the race, you know, I think uh, that would have made a very interesting decision. Um, obviously, you could kind of hear, I mean, I think CNN or NBC was definitely uh, pumping the noise for the fans uh, for uh, Harvick potentially winning in his last race. But uh, for Harvick, um, you know, uh, having a shot like that come up so close and then uh, getting disqualified for uh improperly mounted uh, windshield braces definitely a, a huge uh, misfortune there for him so um, I guess glad that NASCAR is in a position where you have to make a tough call there but at the same time disappointing for a driver that's going out and hasn't had a win yet and this was his best shot uh, and came up just short there so uh, yeah it was a pretty interesting race and of course you know very very competitive despite you know, the ability of the next gen car to pass they still put up uh, 70 lead changes um, you know with plenty of three wide racing throughout most of the race although the ending was definitely lacking in that part but it was still uh, you know at least two wide uh, and not single uh, file raced uh, to the finish there. Yeah, and that's kind of, we, we've been worried about the product, especially on super speedways. Uh, generally speaking, the product on a week-to-week basis is a topic of conversation. So 70 lead changes should be um, satisfactory for for the most, the majority. Um, the fact that this kind of racing determines the biggest race of the year, I'm not so sure about that, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh in Blaney getting that victory is uh, that momentum, like we've been uh, saying. I think you just never know. Uh, Logano last year just kind of was treading water and just laying in the weeds. He goes and wins Vegas, and three weeks later dominates and wins Phoenix. So he has an opportunity to do the same exact thing and sneak around the likes of Will Byron, sneak around Martin Truex Jr. who's had a nightmare uh, playoff so far uh essentially the two guys that have been the two best drivers uh this season uh, in terms of points so that that would be interesting if that all had worked out that way but we will see uh as we move forward william byron leads the uh overall points he is a one six races he is locked into the round of eight ryan blaney locked into the round of eight is fourth in points denny hamlin uh plus 50 over the cut line uh christopher bell plus 22 christopher Bushard plus 19 martin truex plus 17 larson plus 15 and brad keselowski plus two over tyler reddick Dar walsh jr's minus nine ross chastain's minus 10 and kyle bush is uh on in 12th minus 26 so you look at Kyle Busch, you would assume that his his mindset would be to win, and uh, he has a car that can win on road courses, of course, uh, with the recent uh, history of the eight team uh, with this car, and Kyle Busch being able to generally drive anywhere outside of the Chicago street course in the wet. But uh, the other guys, Bubba, had a better car than where he ended up finishing, 
in twenty uh, third. He was he was helping Denny Hamlin, trying to get him back on the lead lap. He and it it helped in the end because Hamlin got back to third, uh, minus nine to the cut line. Going to a road course is not ideal for Bubba, but he's been getting better. Tyler Reddick won a Coda and uh, has been one of the more competitive drivers on the road courses all season. So I think he looks at it as an opportunity he's in he's he could go either way whether he goes and competes for the win or goes and competes for stage points uh i'm assuming that he's gonna go the way of the win uh brad keselowski i think he would go the more conservative route and take the stage stage points uh with the knowledge of stage cautions being back for this race, the car, the carnage that seems to take place at the Roval, um, that might be the more prudent strategy, but who knows? Um, we'll see what transpires. Um, I mean, I think there's an ability to go and pit during the green flag cycles before they get to the two laps to go and strategize to keep themselves out. Like in the first stage, go and pit somewhere in the middle and stay out long, and, and they'd be able to stay out the rest of the way to get to the end of stage two. I think that would be the way to go, um, and that could go and kind of mitigate some of the other uh, stuff that could go on. But the battle there, I mean, once anything after Denny Hamlin is in play. So I, I even Christopher Bell on, you're, there, nobody should feel comfortable going to the Roval. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that and um, and move forward. Uh, the truck series were, was on uh, Saturday, the Love's RV Stop 250, and which saw Brett Moffitt winning for Front Row Motorsports. Uh, didn't get any stage points, uh, but doesn't matter because he didn't have to. It's a one-off. Uh, started 31st, but ended up leading the second most laps in the race, uh, 22. Uh, Nick Sanchez, who started on the outside pole, uh, one stage one. Parker Kligerman, one stage two. Uh, Sanchez led the most laps. Uh, they got stage, yeah, stage one, winner, stage two, finished second. So um, it was a good point stay for him. Moffitt over Ben Rhodes, Dean Thompson, probably his best finish of his career. Chandler Smith uh, taking over the 25 truck, at least for this race, uh, for Rackley or Corey Heim uh, continues his super consistent season with another top five. Daniel Dye from 29th finished sixth. Sanchez, the aforementioned Sanchez finishes seventh. Uh, Haley Deegan actually got a top 10. Parker Kligerman and Lawless Allen rounds out the top 10. Uh, Carson Osavar, Raja Karuth, uh, GSP favorite, uh, finishes 12th, Endfinger 13th, uh, Garrett Smithley, credit to him, 32nd to 15th, Ryan Vargas, 33rd to 17th, uh, Christian Eckes finished, finished 19th, Ty Majeski uh, finished 21st and was involved in a wreck, a uh, late race wreck, the, he was part of the big one, which uh, we'll get into, took out a bunch of vehicles, Van Alst, Gray, uh, Tanner Gray, Crafton, Howard, Roper, Majeski, Drew, or yeah, Majeski, I don't know about Jake Drew, but he was a lap behind the rest of the field there. 
So might have been involved. Uh, Zane Smith had issues. Uh, got uh, earlier had mechanical or electrical. I, I'm forgetting off the the top what his problem was, but he lost a lot of laps and uh, ended up finishing 32nd. But uh, yeah, Moffitt gets the victory. It's not out of the realm for him. He's been a former Truck Series champion. He's shown prowess on all different types of tracks, especially in this series. Front Row Motorsports, when they're focused, obviously can bring a good product to the racetrack. Um, but I guess the... I mean, I think that's one piece, one story, but I also would say that the bigger story that came from this weekend was the post-race altercation uh, between... Uh, Matt Crafton and Nick Sanchez, where Matt Crafton basically sucker punched uh, the rookie driver for Rev Racing uh, in the in the garage area, and it looked he looked like he was in a ECW match, getting like Sandman getting bladed or something, and doing bloody, getting a crimson mask, and um, threats were made and all kinds of argy bargy going on, but. Um, Heading to Homestead, I'm curious to see what's gonna come along from come off from that whole deal. Uh, that's basically overshadowed the race itself. But yeah, Moffitt gets a victory. Uh, good for him in his uh, uh, chase to have a have a uh, a job next year. And uh, and then uh, yeah, we're getting to points. But Nick Sanchez had a great day at. Uh, at Talladega, minus the incident that took place that triggered that whole big wreck. But uh, where would you want to take it? I mean, you can kind of go which way you want to go with that one, Josh. I mean, I you know I think it that incident definitely overshadows what anything that really happened in that race. Um, you know, I have to go back to the incident, and you know, it looks like from that incident, Nick Sanchez found a hole and decided to take it. And you know, obviously, you're getting close to the very end. Um, on that race and um, you're not going to lift to let somebody back in and it looks like maybe Crafton uh, chop, you know, try to cut him off or something to get back in line and he was already there and he's not lifting so uh, that triggered the big one uh, there and then, um, you know, for him, Matt Crafton seems like sucker punched him right there in the garage area after the race after he'd already showered and everything and gotten um you know dressed and everything and you know he put out a comment on social media saying that well um you know before he uh went and punched him there uh apparently nick nick sanchez had already been making threats or something like that so um seems like a lot of he said she said stuff uh even nick sanchez's mom weighed in and said that this was all on crafting so uh take that for what you will um Obviously, two guys weighing it out. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Crafton's a lot older man uh, than uh, Sanchez. You know, and looks like Sanchez is a very, um, you know, physically, you know, thinner man than uh, Matt Crafton is. Obviously, it looks like Crafton's um, got some got some pounds on him there. So, um, you know, I think that's maybe an unfair physical battle there. You know, um, but. It, it is what it is and definitely overshadows 
whatever happened in that race. So, um, you know, on one hand, I kind of want to see them uh, just duke it out onto the racetrack. You know, we saw um, Sanchez say he was going to effing kill him at Homestead, which, you know, I think, I don't think that's really a murder threat per se. That's more of a, you know, I'm coming after you on the racetrack kind of deal uh, there. But, you know, obviously they have to, NASCAR is going to have to um, investigate that one and, and figure out if, that's what he actually meant there. You know, obviously people say that when they're really pissed and he probably has the right to be with his face all bloodied up and everything after the race on Saturday. So, um, you know, that, that's all of that. And then of course, I think you also should factor in that Crafton's won a championship in this series, multiple championships in this series. And, you know, um, have to wonder if that's befitting of a champion to get involved in fisticuffs like that, uh, against a younger driver there. Uh, so, and plus, Crafton's already been out of the championship and everything, so it's not like um, he lost the championship or anything like that. He was already eliminated. So, you know, lots lots to consider there, but I feel like Crafton um, is definitely on the losing battle of whether he was in the right or wrong here. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a... We'll see if they have any penalties, I guess, on Tuesday or whenever NASCAR determines the outcome of this incident. But... Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, a lot happened in that race. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, Brett Moffat won, and you know, obviously can say a lot about him there. But you know, obviously he's a serviceable guy in the truck series. You know, he gets the job done uh, when when he's in a good enough vehicle, and you know, he's proven that he can at least keep his stuff clean uh, throughout the throughout the race um, and put in, put himself in a spot where he can win. Which obviously he was able able to do that there and was up front for a good portion of it there. So, um, yeah, this, this is definitely a, you know, interesting, typical Talladega race, lots of carnage throughout it in the truck series, but, and you know, you end up with people who don't normally finish up in the top 10, like you said, like Haley Deegan, Lawless Allen, um, people that don't normally finish up there in the top 10, got top tens, Daniel Dye, not always in the top 10. He got a top 10 there. Uh, Chandler Smith came down from the uh, Xfinity series, replacing Matt Benedetto, gets the top five there. Dean Thompson, uh, you know, he, he's um, somebody he's hadn't hasn't been as successful this year. 20th in the standings, gets a, a top three finish. So, um, you know, down in this, you know, the truck series definitely gives a chance at Talladega for some of these guys that haven't had good seasons gives them the chance to go out and uh, potentially get a good finish or even a win so um, yeah so that's a definitely an interesting one there but you know obviously it's been overshadowed by you know two drivers getting into it physically yeah a guy you know was three-time champion borderline NASCAR Hall of Famer and reacting the way he did carry it's that you think about the truck series, I mean, granted, the likes of Sprague and or Skinner and Hornaday and Sprague, uh, they were kind of rough and tumble guys themselves. I mean, more Skinner than the other two guys, I would say. But I think Ron Hornaday never backed down from a fight either over the years. But you know, I think for Matt Crafton, his he's basically been washed for for years. Uh, Menards because they are generally over their time have supported mediocrity um, is part of the reason why he still has a job that and the fact that he's worked for Duke and Rhonda Thorson for over two decades, because otherwise I don't think the guy would have a job. 
because um, what does he bring to the table? He doesn't win races anymore. Uh, the days of him really being able to contend for a championship, I think, are done too. Uh, so, I mean, that it's I don't know. He, he was mad that that uh, Nick Sanchez caused a wreck. I think there's a better way to go and handle that than just going and beat and trying to sucker punch a guy. Um, I mean, especially when you're near pushing 50 years old or whatever the hell he is. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just Bush league, but you know, it's still, there's a, there are plenty of comments. It's like, that's the reason why the guy never, ever really went anywhere, uh, outside of the truck series. He had one year driving for Harvick and he got promptly replaced by Ron Hornaday. Uh, he's ran like a, you know, a handful of cup races in his career, but you don't see people saying, oh yeah, we want Matt Craft in our vehicle. Um, even when he was at his in his prime winning championships. So I mean, for Nick Sanchez, yeah, it was aggressive. Yeah, you can make case for it racing. You could say that it was over-aggressive, but it's plate racing. It's it's Talladega. People have been running over each other at Talladega for decades. Uh, I mean, the notion that this was any different than a lot of other instances. It does. I'm not justifying his actions. It's racing late in the race, like you brought up, Josh. You're trying to get yourself in a position. He had led the most laps in the race. He is a rookie, so he got shuffled back. He had a fast truck. I mean, he's trying to give himself an opportunity to win. He still hasn't won a race this year. Um, he's on the precipice, you know, like in the points battle, trying to stay alive to get to Phoenix. So, I mean, he's racing for something. Crafton is just out there filling the field. Uh, and it's curious. I mean, it's a home game for him a few weeks from now at Miami, at Homestead. Can Nick Sanchez use that as motivation to go and win his first career truck series race, lock himself into the final four at home, or um, use it for whatever else, however way he wants to use it so that he can make it in? Or will he get suckered into um, RG-Bargy and lose his opportunity to compete for the championship at Phoenix? Something we will look at for sure. The Truck Series points, Heim locked himself in with his victory a few weeks back at, uh, where was it, Bristol? Yeah, at Bristol. And uh, so he's in the final four. Carson Hosevar's minus 10 behind uh, Heim. Uh, Eckes is minus 24 or plus 9 to the cutoff. And then Nick Sanchez is plus three over Grant Infinger, uh, plus five over Ben Rhodes. And then after that, Ty Majeski and Zane Smith essentially are in a win-or-go-home situation. For Zane Smith, he knows that he's got a job with uh, Trackhouse and Spire next year in the Cup Series. Essentially, once things kind of started to unravel, with the Front Row Motorsports, them and Zane Smith and Front Row Motorsports, their productivity has dropped off. And so the defending series champion, I kind of, it's a shame to say, but I think there's a pretty good shot that the defending series champion will not get another chance to go to Phoenix uh, with an opportunity to either win or finish second, which he has done, what, like three years in a row or something. He's made it to Phoenix, and he finished second two years in a row, and then he won it last year. So kind of need a Hail Mary for that one. Uh, we're talking about Nick Sanchez, talking about 
a team the team that he drives for will bring it up over here uh is Kyle Busch Motorsports was the news uh during the weekend that he that Kyle Busch sold his uh team and the uh, Rowdy Manufacturing Group over to Spire Motorsports um they are going to take over all the equipment and all the stuff with that they have been driving running a number seven with Bono Mannion in limited races this year with a, a list of uh, strong drivers, um, you know, cup guys from Hendrick. Um, Raja Karuth is another one that's, well, they're going for, he's doing the Xfinity race, I think. Yeah, he's doing the Xfinity race at, at Phoenix on um, mixing up the Hendrick cars vehicles there. But uh, Carson Quapple made his truck series debut with Spire. So amongst other drivers that have been in that vehicle this year. So you look at that, Spire's been, it sounds like they've been trying to uh, advance or go and expand their, their um, uh, what do you call, like uh, their reach in terms of teams and, and opportunities to build, to cultivate talent. Now they have a team that has been running two full-time truck efforts uh, that are quote our actual Kyle Busch Motorsports and then you have the uh, Rev Racing 2 truck which is essentially uh, a Kyle Busch Motorsports truck so um, if Sanchez were to continue in the truck series it's pretty like more than likely he'll be driving for Spire next year what happens after that is really uh, a curiosity now because uh, it isn't based on Kyle Busch pulling money out of his pocket now uh, Spire has plenty. Uh, they can fund. They could fund probably half the field if they really wanted to with that Gainbridge guy. Um, but yeah, when you when you heard that Kyle Busch was selling after all these years and all the success he's had in the Truck Series, um, I, I mean, I think it was probably going this way after he lost that factory support from Toyota, but. I didn't think it was going to be this sudden. He had talked about having the team being able to keep it going till Brexton got to a age uh, to be able to race for them, and then he was going to retire. Now he got a, a, a deal he couldn't refuse kind of situation, kind of like what Justin Marks offered to Chip Ganassi, and uh, he gets out of the business of running a truck series organization, which basically is a black hole um but uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports now is uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports is not uh, is going to be Spire Motorsports next year in the Truck Series, and Kyle will race for them for five races next year. Uh, what were your thoughts, Josh, on that news that came out last week? I mean, yeah, it was pretty shocking to see that news. Um, obviously, the KBM team has been a mainstay in the Truck Series for over a decade now, and obviously they recently just celebrated uh, 100 wins in the series and as an organization, so um, yeah, you know, you thought maybe they'd still be there for at least a few years, and it seemed like um, people were thinking that Kyle Busch would stick around uh, until it was time for his son to race in the Truck Series, and then he would ultimately retire, but you have to wonder how many years he actually has left with uh, this move, and Obviously, still racing a handful of races, five races next year in trucks. So uh, he's not going away completely as as a racer there, but obviously his organization um, now uh, and probably in a lot better place. And 
uh, you know, they they obviously Spire needed space with uh, KBM, and KBM had assets they they were interested in, and then just ultimately evolved into a deal where they decided to make a deal and uh, have the acquisition there. So um, Spire are obviously uh, full of cash with uh, Gainbridge uh, in uh, everything. So Gainbridge um, going to have a fixture in both IndyCar and NASCAR, it looks like, and maybe even F1 if it goes right for Andretti there. So obviously a very uh, huge deal here. And um, they get a truck program. Uh, at least uh, Kyle Busch, you know, the employee at KBM Motorsports, they go out and uh, at least still have a job. They're not going to get uh, fired or anything like that if they, you know, don't want to. So, um, you know, at least the employees there won't be losing their jobs. Uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports will still exist, but basically just to field uh, outlaw Kurtz or whatever it is for um, Brexton Bush uh, at the very, very grassroots level. So, yeah, an interesting uh, situation there that I don't think anybody saw coming, uh, but now um, it makes a whole lot of sense once you look look into it and how um, how much you know NASCAR uh, in the truck series, like what what the teams look like and how much viability there is. You know, at least they have a, a team that's uh, completely uh, flush with cash and Gamebridge compared to. Um, what Kyle Busch running out of his his own pocket and everything, and you know Kyle Busch gets to downsize and spend less money racing and everything. So yeah, it makes makes a whole big deal for good deal for everybody. So um, yeah, pretty shocking to see, but you know, at the end of the day, um, it's a business deal and everybody gets out what they wanted out of it. Yeah, and Kyle Busch uh, gets to continue driving truck races, so. That's what he wants to be able, he's wanted to do. It isn't to the extent that he probably wants to, but he still gets to do that. And then and once you really look into all the web, the webs that are connected between the likes of Trackhouse, uh, Spire, and Colleg, there's this expansive group and a lot of vehicles and a lot of people uh, being um moved around here so the likes of justin marks uh dickerson poocher and then matt colleague i think all four of those gentlemen are making a a massive like conglomeration it may not be that way in in writing but i think this is all kind of in concert one move after the other so curious to see how that'll work out uh leading into starting uh with 2024 um and as it goes on as the years go on for sure uh, other news uh in the truck series daniel dyer mentioned him the guy that one of the guys that michael waltrip wax off to um he uh announced that he's moving because of course the gms team is closing and uh so he needed a ride an opportunity he's going to move over to mcanally hilgeman for next year to be a teammate to Christian Eckes, more than likely. Um, what, what, where that leaves J, uh, Jake Garcia is to be determined, but uh, Daniel Dye will go over there next year in his second season, see if he can make uh, progress um, and not just be a guy who gets the camera shots of every wreck that takes place in a truck series. Um, yeah, the all-star race, going back to Wilkesboro, they'll uh, run the truck series again there. Um, 
Got uh, the injury reports, but it sounds like Friesen's all right. Greg Van Alst is probably going to have some more sheet time, unfortunately, after a huge hit. Um, sadly, uh, mentioned, what is it we had? Uh, yeah, well, also the yeah, Indianapolis with the 30th anniversary of the Brickyard 400. Uh, they will go back to racing on the Oval. Unfortunately, they insist on having the Xfinity series there instead of sending it back to uh, IRP. But, you know, because like, it makes no sense to have the Xfinity series race there. But, you know, it's, it seems like that's become the thing. We just have to oversaturate the amount of races they have at Indianapolis. It used to, there used to be a thing about exclusivity, and it was rare. You know, like you'd have the Indy 500, the the Brickyard 400, and the U.S. Grand Prix. And that was it for a while. Now every freaking series known to man races there. It's almost like Roger Penske's desperate for money, and the guy's a billionaire. I don't know what the... Uh, yeah, maybe it's because it's a grade one circuit and he needs to be able to make money back on his transaction or whatever. I have, who knows. Uh, but the Brickyard 400 comes back next year and um, for the 30-year anniversary. So that'll be uh, cool to see. Uh, hopefully this car will, will be able to handle it because you think about the last time they brought a new car, essentially... Uh, to the Brickyard and Tire Gate took place in 2008 at uh, Indianapolis, a Gen 6 car. I think they did enough testing and there wasn't as much of a deviation off of the um, Gen 5 to the Gen 6 so that they would have the kind of problems that they did previously. But Brickyard 400 comes back, uh, have uh, yeah, some road ringers, we'll get into that later. Uh, and then also... Um, it looks like that Iowa Speedway is going to be uh, hosting a Cup Series race next year, which is quite interesting for many years. Held truck and Xfinity races, held two Xfinity races, and uh, went by the wayside for a few years. Now IndyCar with High V has uh, resurrected the track, so now it's Vogue again to go and race there. I'm curious to see if all three series will be there. But the Cup Series, they're they're trying to race on on short ovals, even though the short track package is not great. Uh, going back to Iowa, going to Iowa Speedway for a Cup race for the first time ever in uh, 2024 is an interesting uh, move. Looking at where the looking at the schedule itself, knowing that IndyCar has a double header, um, dealing with the olympics as well so i'm curious where they're going to put that race uh, texas motor speedway is going to move out of the playoff and move back to the spring which is curious because they're running coda uh in march so then they're going to run coda in march and then they're going to run texas in april I, or may don't think that makes a lot of sense but whatever i'm not a i'm not a schedule maker so i'm just a i'm just a podcaster uh al marola continues to walk the dog in terms of his uh whether he's going to retire or not at this point i really don't give a crap i mean he's eric al marola like who really gives a fuck like if he leaves that means that tony stewart's going to sell the charter or lease the charter if he if he doesn't leave he's just going to run 20th every week like he's done for his whole entire effing career 
So it is what it is. Brian Priest is coming back next year. So you have three definite vehicles that are coming out of Stuart Haas. They're going to have the four car with uh, Josh Berry, whatever sponsorship they're going to have with that to be determined. Briscoe and Priest will be back next year as well. So I think for Stuart Haas's sake, they'd be better off running a three car organization. And uh, there are other teams that seem to be within the Ford camp that could utilize a charter or with a lease or whatever the likes of Rick Ware because, you know, he should be losing one of his charters for lack of productivity. But they're trying to run that one one vehicle for, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, Justin Haley, which is essentially the third Roush car, the RFK car. Or could be someone else, a front row motorsports car, who knows. But uh, we'll see what happens with all that as uh, we move forward. Uh, let's get into the football and... In this week, I mean, uh, Josh, you mentioned uh, Jaguars in London, first of uh, two games that they get to have over across the pond, playing in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this past weekend against the Atlanta Falcons and taking a victory, a much-needed victory, after what has been a struggle uh, to start the 2023 season for the Jaguars. But... You know, you're in a division, the Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson on both sides of the ball look to be a very competitive team right now, but very uh, youth, young team. Tennessee is doing it with smoke and mirrors, and uh, Indianapolis is like kind of borderline. They have Anthony Richardson, very dynamic player, but they don't have a whole hell of a lot else going on there. Jonathan Taylor's coming back, but I don't think that's going to be enough if he wants to play for the Indianapolis Colts. So Jacksonville's still in the driver's seat, I would think. I'm not sure what you think, but to win that division, um, but the road is going to be long and probably involve having to go to uh, Buffalo or Kansas City or both if uh want to get to Las Vegas this year. Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville, I mean, they won against uh Atlanta team that they should have uh beaten so they did that uh defensively I mean Josh Allen's on pace for 24 sacks but I don't know if that's going to happen uh but he's gotten 3 sacks in this game and 3 sacks in the first game so already got 6 sacks which most through I think 4 games currently so uh which is more than Calais Campbell from 2017 so definitely a um good start to the season defensively uh last game against uh houston they uh played poorly but they came back and uh took care of business against atlanta uh they were able to shut down the falcons outside of beyond robinson obviously that was uh you know he's a very talented running back we saw what he could do but the falcons don't really have very much outside of him uh and kyle pitts at tight end but desmond ritter is not really a good thrower of the football and everything so uh and he had uh two interceptions including a pick six uh to uh, make the game uh 17 to zero so uh for the jags so uh yeah definitely good game for defense offensively still had some issues they're better than uh previous weeks but um they still had issues as far as being able to uh take uh take the ball down the field i think 
offensive line still has problems and hopefully the return of cam robinson will give them a little more state uh, stability uh in the offensive line help them play with a more tenacity and i guess nastiness that you need at that uh spot so uh definitely a good uh piece that they get back in time for the buffalo bills uh and the buffalo bills obviously a very uh potent team on offense uh and they Beat the Miami Dolphins uh, 48 to um, 20 after uh, you know the Dolphins had defeated the Broncos 70 to 20. So uh, definitely a huge, huge loss there uh, for Miami. And uh, now Buffalo comes in going across the pond. Of course, they're going to be on short rest uh, with the flight to England, and Jacksonville will have a week of rest. So they'll preparation wise they'll be in a better routine than buffalo so we'll see we'll see how uh they're you know how that becomes an advantage for them uh this week so the first time that they're doing uh two games there one home in a way so gonna be interested to see how that works and what the future that will be uh but yeah definitely a um Big matchup there, and of course, like I said at the top of the show, the Josh Allen Bowl with defensive end Josh Allen, or linebacker Josh Allen for the Jaguars, going up against QB Josh Allen. Last time this happened in 2021, Josh Allen sacked Josh Allen, Josh Allen sacked and intercepted him, forced a fumble on him, so the Jaguars' Josh Allen came out with the dub there, so... uh you know, very excited to see how this one plays out. We'll see if the Trevor Lawrence and uh, the Jags can get it going and they can get into some ry- rhythm that they haven't really had uh, this year. We'll see if it they you know they're able to keep up with uh, the Buffalo Bills there. So um, yeah, that's gonna be interesting as far as the uh, division race goes because yeah, they're two and two. Everybody's two and two. Uh, the uh, Texans, um, I mean, last week their win, shocking with the Jags. But now that they've uh, taken care of business with the Steelers, who, I mean, obviously Steelers aren't that great uh, quarterback-wise, but they're always a tough team to play, uh, and they went and blew out the Steelers. So um, I think maybe their team's a little bit more legitimate what people thought it was. And, of course, uh, D'Amico Ryan's doing a very good job as coach uh, there down in Houston. Um, a former player who played there for many years, uh, now uh, the coach there. So uh, definitely going to be an interesting matchup there. Uh, I don't think Indianapolis, I still think with Anthony Richardson, uh, they're not really going to be a, a threat uh, to really win the division. Tennessee, um, always tough, but I think they're on the decline. So it's probably going to be between Jacksonville and Houston. So we'll see uh, how it goes. And definitely not going to be as easy as what we thought, but it's still early in the season. We'll see here in about a month how it looks like on two months at the, you know, as we go into December. So uh, for, you know, for the Jags, good win and get back on track. And hopefully they can keep it on track as they go to uh, play the Buffalo here in London. So um, fantasy wise, not really doing that great this week. Debo Samuel didn't have a good game. Neither did Michael Pittman Jr. It's put me in a hole, and definitely depending on Kenneth Walker here to just have a a pretty big game uh, offensively uh, as they go to halftime here um, in the Giants uh, Seahawks game here. So he's got one touchdown, but it uh, hasn't really had a whole lot of yards uh, to go with that. So um, we'll see if he's able to get more production here in the second half, uh, but definitely a 
poor output this week uh, and probably, you know, one, one that I like to have back. So we'll see how that goes um, throughout the week uh, and into next week uh, as we continue throughout this season. So uh, definitely looking forward to it uh, next week. We'll see if this matchup turns out any better, but uh, getting, probably gonna have to start looking towards next, next week and maybe adjusting the roster some. We'll see, but um, yeah, a lot of interesting scores this week in the NFL. And um, now we go finish the first uh, quarter of the season and now we get into the second quarter and we'll see how uh, teams look like here in October and you know if um, they get I mean it seems like the first four games always the sloppy port of the season so we'll see if uh, the um, sloppiness throughout offenses if that goes away and we start to see who's real uh, in in this league this year yeah definitely I mean four games in now we're getting into bye weeks uh, starting this coming week. So uh, rest periods for some of the teams that have some major injuries, uh, injuries that can be recovered from. Uh, Buffalo uh, had uh, Tredavious White go down for the year with an Achilles, torn Achilles, so a brutal loss for them. Their uh, elite cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, gets uh, knocked out for the season. So Buffalo, who is a top flight effort uh coming off of a game or even though they lost them they won 48 to 20 over the miami dolphins um kind of knocked them down a couple pegs a big uh win for josh that josh allen um professor jay's josh allen not uh josh's josh allen um a lot of josh going on there but um the definitely uh that game Big one in the AFC. The Chiefs benefited from yet another bogus um, call uh, in Sunday Night Football where they called Sauce Gardner for a hold, which wasn't a hold, but because it's Kermit the Frog, it became one. Uh, They haven't played amazingly all season. They've kind of been doing it with smoke and mirrors, but it's Kermit the Frog, so they win. They basically are able to win. I mean, it makes, I, I think Detroit beating them on opening night knocked them off. Uh, you know, it kind of threw them for a loop, but then it also made a re- reality where they need Travis Kelsey and you need Chris Jones uh, because Mahomes is not playing to the MVP level that he has in previous years. Um, and that's with, even with all the Swifty nonsense that's going on there. Uh Looks like Geno Smith got knocked out with an injury in this game for Seattle, which is not good. Uh, limp has suffered a knee injury, limped off the field, hit run out, got hit running out of bounds. Uh, so his stat line is not great, and we don't probably not going to come back out for the rest of the game. They're up fourteen to three, as Josh mentioned. So uh, curious to see how that'll all work out. Um, you know, that's pretty ugly. You know, it's getting to be really dark um, in terms of injuries here in the league. Um, uh, now we're getting in a week four, week five, whatever, getting in a week five of the season. Um, guys that have been underperforming finally getting some play or doing what they need to do. Justin Fields in a loss. I mean, they blew that game because of their defense sucks. And Matt Eberflus is clueless. Um, got some other guys there. I mean, you got uh, 
Eckler is going to wait till after the bye to come back. So there's that. Um, the 49ers before, yeah, the 49ers were able to win uh, with relative ease. I mentioned earlier, I guess we were talking about it offline, where the Arizona Cardinals' uh, defensive strategy was to allow Christian McCaffrey to run all over them and uh, leave Brandon Ayuk wide open uh, and let him get free releases in the middle of the field so that uh, Brock Purdy could throw darts. And uh, Brock Purdy had the highest completion percentage for any 49er quarterback ever uh, on Sunday, breaking a record that was held by Steve Young, of course. And um, only one incompletion yesterday. Ayuk was feasting. Christian McCaffrey was feasting. Uh, it was hilarious to watch. Um, the defense was not hilarious to watch. The pass rush, Javon Hargrave, notwithstanding. I mean, Bosa being out there and having his presence, uh, but the pass rush hasn't been uh, ideal or elite yet. Uh, linebacker play, of course, is solid. Secondary play is iffy at best, and uh, Arizona with Josh Dobbs was able to pick apart the back end of the defense they made changes those changes didn't help uh so something to look at going into this weekend's game sunday night football at santa clara the niners hosting the cowboys a big matchup in the nfc rivalry that has gone on for many many years um i think there's there's a lot i mean it's a week five game you just want to get through these games no matter what with as much health as you can uh, the way people are going, falling by the wayside this year on the injury side of things. So, um, but that game is going to be an interesting uh, a battle between the Niners' offense with Kyle Shanahan versus Dan Quinn's Dallas Cowboy defense. Micah Parsons, who's one of the best players in the league, period. Uh, and on the other side, of course, on the Niners' defense, you have the reigning defensive player of the year one of the best players in the league in Nick Bosa. Um, you also have Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, who's probably the best linebacker duo in the NFL. So that's uh, a lot of good defensive players, but then, you know, the offenses get get the run and Brock Purdy going against uh, Dak Prescott. There'll be a lot of play in the media with that. Uh, Going to be an interesting game. Uh, just uh, continue to be cautiously optimistic one game at a time because uh, you never know. Uh, Fantasy-wise, uh, had has been uh, fortunate this week for the most part. Look like I'm going to have another three in one week. Uh, Dynasty team is a fucking disaster, but um, otherwise, the redraft leagues that I have had some rough starts, but... Uh, this week, uh, able to get a win in uh, one in the one league against a team that a scuffling team as well, one that actually is trying to make moves and but got productivity out of I mentioned Fields, Puka Nakua had a touchdown, so that was something. Diggs, James Cook. Um, after that, I mean, it's a whole bunch of nothing. But um, move into uh, my other teams. I just go and switch over there briefly. Um, yeah, do that, do that. Find out what's going on there. And um, 
having a hold right here. Apologies. Trying to get the my uh, account open. And yeah, so yep, that's me. Oh, uh, yeah, so there you go. Eh. So we'll get an update here on uh, the Fall Brawl League as we have an opportunity. Uh, 14 to 3 is mentioned. Uh, for the Seattle Seahawks on the road at MetLife Stadium. Uh, Jamal Adams is already out with a concussion, so wouldn't you know. Uh, get into that. Yeah, so uh, one of my one of my teams, aptly named Faithful to the Bay, um, has uh, one of the high scores in that league. And uh, for the week, this week, uh, it's more of a standard scoring, so nothing... Um, out of the ordinary, trying to get into uh, close all those windows. It seems like uh, we're having issues loading, so that's not good. Um, it's uh, yeah, because he's a retard. Um, Oxen confirms, yeah, so yeah, it's not shocking at all. Uh, so having having compute having uh, technical difficulties on this end, so I might go and reverse back to uh to that later on because it seems like all the other stuff is decided to go and crash um yeah so there you go click that click that so i'll go back to that so in my in my uh league uh get the win over manny uh manny ended up having one of the top point scorers of the week he ends up being in the top five but ends up taking the loss uh teams that are up front josh is ahead of me uh, needs a lot of help to make up uh, right now is what a 15 point deficit to pass Matt. Um, football is life is uh, Luke. He's uh, on his way to a, another win and probably second high point score over Wilson. Uh, Vic is going to get a victory over Jeff. Uh, close battle there. At least Jeff has the Eagles. Um, and then Steve, who uh, has led the league so far early this season, gets a 13-point victory over Joey uh, this week. So uh, that's really the only matchup. Uh, I think, what is it, the only thing to determine, I mean, uh, Luke is going to win. It's just by how much uh, Josh is still in play uh, in the second half. And then, um, yeah, the, all the other matchups are determined accordingly. So we'll uh, get updates on that. Uh, my team in uh, the Fall Brawl League, Lamar Jackson, had uh, four total touchdowns, uh, two passing, two rushing, did have a fumble loss. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown had a solid game on Thursday night football against the Green Bay Packers. Devontae Smith. 7 for 78. Um, then Bijan Robinson in a losing uh, uh, in a losing game there for Atlanta. 14 attempts for 105 yards. Rushing, 5 receptions, 32 yards. So, um, solid performance for him. Alvin Kamara makes his 23-debut uh, 23, 23 and puts a nice stat line together 11 for 51 rushing 13 receptions for 30 is that for real really 13 receptions for 33 yards that's what 2.3 yards a catch <laughs> who had that alvin Kamara. 
13 receptions on 14 targets, and it was 13 for 33 yards. Well, it is New Orleans. That, oh, it's because um, Derek Carr was trying to be uh, Billy Badbutt, and um, his arm is basically hanging off the side of his body like Stat Padford's was last year. Um, Puka Nakua, 9 for 163 and a touchdown. And uh, Anthony Richardson, 200 yards on 11 completions, two touchdowns, uh, 56 yards rushing, and another touchdown. Um, so a very solid uh, weekend. Had Rashad White, Jordan Love, Damian Pierce on the bench. So uh, Quiddy Pay put up a donut, which is my luck with IDPs. Patrick Queen and Dax Hill both played well, so we'll take that. Um, I mentioned Faithful to the Bay. Uh, my other uh, team, that's Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. Uh, and I have Justin Jefferson uh, in on that team. Uh, that was a team that I picked number one. I had the number one overall pick, picked Justin Jefferson, uh, picked Je- and then Josh Allen with the next pick, and then followed it up with Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs for whatever reason they spent the number 12 overall pick on him Detroit but they don't give him the ball Jefferson Nakua a very quiet day for he Mostert um after a pretty solid start to the year for the Miami Dolphins running back Jake Ferguson the tight end for Dallas uh solid performance seven for 77 uh Brandon Ayuk uh didn't play him again Seems like I when I don't play him, uh, he has big games. But he wasn't going to play anyways because I don't have a flex. They don't have a flex in this league. Uh, six for one forty-eight, but it's nice to have him. My wide receiver room is pretty damn good when you consider I have Jefferson, Nakua, Ayu, Chris Godwin is my number four uh, there. I have Jonathan Taylor on the on the pup, so. He's going to be coming back. Now, whether he's going to be playing for the Indianapolis Colts or not is a whole other discussion, but see what happens. So, yeah, fantasy football looking solid enough. Uh, you have um, a lot to... Um, what? Oh, they're completely... This is making no sense. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so right now, the team I'm playing, there we're up by, what, 15, essentially 15 points. Um, Seattle's defense. He has Seattle's defense. Tyler Lockett and Kenneth Walker. Uh, so there is a chance he could win uh, because uh, they just started the second half there. Seattle's defense. They have four sacks, a fumble recovery so far. Kenneth Walker, 24 yards rushing yards and a t- rushing touchdown. One reception, 14 yards for Tyler Lockett. Geno Smith out of the game, uh, dealing with leg injury. Linda. Medical tent, track, yeah, so they haven't uh, given any further updates. And Seattle, just out of, in the, after this week, they will be going on by, so it probably behooves them to go and sit Geno if they don't have to play him, which if considering the Giants' offense uh, and their offensive line, or lack thereof, uh, probably speaks to them not really needing him. So, see what happens with that. Uh, let's get into the GSP roundup this week. Uh, MotoGP was at uh, Twin Ring Motegi for um, the Japanese Grand Prix. 
it continues the uh the battle the ducati battle continues and uh the results of the grand prix itself uh jorge martin uh wins the wins for prima or for premac over peco bagnaya mark marquez finishes third it was in wet conditions too so got to throw that in there uh, Marco Bisecchi, Ali Spargaro rounds out the top five. Jack Miller, Gusto Fernandez, Fabio DG Antonio, Raul Fernandez, and Fabio Quattararo rounded out the top ten. Uh, Cal Crutchlow uh, riding on the sat on the um, on the Yamaha test uh, bike finished thirteenth. Brattle racing for Repsol Honda fourteenth. Polo Spargaro got the last point. Joanne Mir, Taka Nakagami, and his home Grand Prix finished 11th. Uh, Joanne Zarco ended up uh, falling out of the race along with Brad Binder. So we'll go into the so the standings after the Japanese Grand Prix. Peko Bagnaya has a three-point lead on Jorge Martin. Uh, it's getting really interesting for sure. Uh, the number of mistakes that Bagnaya has made has given Martin a chance to possibly become world champion. Uh, Marco Basecki's basically in his own world, 35 and like 54 points behind, so he's going to need a lot of help. Brad Binder, fourth. Alicia Spargaro, fifth. Uh, nine points out of Johan Zarco there. So in the MotoGP uh, series. Now in Moto2, the, it was a run in cloudy conditions, not in rain, so like the main race was. Uh, Somakat Chantra beat Ayagura, the Itamitsu Honda teammates, uh, Team Asia teammates, finished 1-2. Pedro Acosta, 3rd. Jake Dixon, 4th. Philippe Salek, 5th. Uh, Gonzalez, Ramirez, Kanet, Vander Gerber, and Darren Binder rounded out the top 10. Uh, Tony Arbolino, Joe Roberts gets uh, a 12th place. Lonzo Lopez, Guevara, and Baltus uh, rounded out the point scorers. Uh, Sean Dillon Kelly finished the race, finished 23rd. Uh, so he coming off of his first points of his uh, Moto2 cur- uh, career in uh, Moto2, uh, heading forward. A 50-point lead for Pedro Costa on Tony Arbolino. Um, nearly 100, yeah, 93 point lead on Jake Dixon, uh, and Aaron Kinnett, Alonzo Lopez, Chantra moves himself up to six. That's uh, a close battle. 20 points separate the riders from fourth to ninth. So Ayagura uh, moves up into 10th. Uh, Joe Roberts right now is 15th in points, uh, has a possible opportunity to move up to 12th as the rest of the season goes on. Uh, okay, so that's uh, yeah, Japan. Get through that. So they'll take a couple of weeks off, and they'll start again at uh, Indonesia, and then they'll run. They'll do Indonesia, uh, Phillip Island, Australia, and Thailand in three consecutive weeks. Take another break, and then finish the season out with Malaysia, Qatar, and uh, Valencia. Qatar usually open this season, but I guess this year they um, changed it up. Uh, started with uh, 
Portugal and Argentina. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, World Superbikes raced at uh, World Superbikes raced at uh, the Algarve and uh, in Portugal, one of your races. Blah blah blah. Uh, Alvaro Bautista swept the weekend, all three races. And Toprak Raskat Lioku finished second on all three races. And uh, Johnny Ray finished second or third in race one. Michael Ruben Rinaldi second in race two. Uh, the Super Bowl race, Andrea Locatelli finished third. Alvaro Bautista has a 60-point lead on Toprak Raskat Lioku um, in the World Championship. Johnny Ray has 50 points out of Locatelli for third. And Axel Bassani, who has been chosen to take over Jonathan Ray's bike at uh, the Kawasaki factory team. Johnny Ray's uh, taking over the Yamaha that Toprak Raskavioku is departing from to go to BMW. Uh, the lead BMW rider is Garrett Gerloff. Uh, one point, he's in 13th. One point behind Iker Lakuona and three points behind Dominique Argeter four points out of the top 10. So right now he's got a chance to get himself into the top. He's only five points out uh, there. So something to look at as the uh, season uh, winds down. Gerloff finished fourth in race one at uh, at Portugal in in race two or in a Super Bowl race. Uh, the results in the Super Bowl race, he finished eighth and in race Two, Garrett Gerloff finished, uh, yeah, Garrett Gerloff finished fourth again in race two. So big points a weekend. I think he's starting to get a get a hold or get an idea of this motorcycle. Close gap, too. He was within less than three seconds of of the win. So a uh, big, big deal to say the least to have Garrett Gerloff competitive. Uh, might be a hopefully a sign of things to come uh, for 2024 as he's going to continue uh, on uh, that uh, BMW next year. The last race of the last round of the season will be at Jerez in Spain at the end of October. Own opportunity, very close in the points to possibly get himself into the top 10 in points with his recent uh, form, uh, uh, gain in form on his uh, BMW bike. The NHRA had a interesting weekend at the Midwest Nationals at uh, Gateway Worldwide Technology Raceway in uh, top fuel. Clay Milliken got the victory over Leah Pruitt. Uh, both had even equal start uh, reaction times, but Milliken outran uh, the TSR dragster and Tony Stewart's wife while Tony Stewart was sitting in the uh, announced booth calling the race. Uh, Clay Milken with uh, 375 with an A331.94 gets a victory over Leah Pruitt. Uh, Milliken beat, came from the seventh spot, beat Austin Proc, Mike Salinas, Tony Schumacher to get to the final. Pruitt from the eight hole beat uh, Langdon, Doug Coletta and Steve Torrance to get to the final in funny car. Matt Hagen uh, gave uh, Tony Stewart racing a uh, victory. He ran and got himself right back into the championship battle as well 
with his victory over Ron Caps. Matt Hagen started fifth, beat Alexis DeJoria, John Force, Bob Tasca, the number one qualifier. Uh, there, Ron Caps from the seventh spot, Tim Wilkerson, Alex Laughlin, Blake Alexander uh, to get to the final there. Um, in Pro Stock Car, uh, the ageless wonder who it is, Greg Anderson, gets the victory over Aaron Stanfield. He actually got Aaron Stanfield on the tree, um, but the bigger, the crazier one was we will put up a double O two against uh, his longtime rival, Eric Anders, who then shook the tires uh, just off the shortly off the starting line in the semifinal. Uh, Greg Anderson from the four spot beat Jerry Tucker, Derek Kramer, and Enders to get to the final. Aaron Stanfield from the seven spot beat Camry Caruso, Chris McGahey, and Bo Butner to um, make the final. Um, Pro Stock Motorcycle, a battle of the Vance and Hines, Suzuki, and Gage Herrera gets yet another victory. Uh, beats uh, teammate Eddie Kraywick uh, in the final. Herrera gets uh, a win in the first round over Joey Gladstone, gets a bye in the second, beats Chase Van Zandt in the semis. And Angie, so Chase Van Zandt, mentioning him, he was racing, or supposed to race Angie Smith in the first round of eliminations, but she had a big accident on Saturday during qualifying and was uh, rushed to the hospital. Uh, I was going to have cosmetic her surgeries and also other repairs for her feet and her ankles and also for her hands with the road rash that she got. So she'll be on the shelf more than likely, I would think, for the rest of the season. But uh, we're thinking, praying and hoping for the, a speedy recovery for Angie Smith uh, and to return, of course, um, in the coming months, uh, definitely for 2024. Uh, Matt Smith who was uh, summoned to go and race by Angie. He went out there, started number two, got all the way to the semis, but uh, was late against Eddie Craywick um, in the semifinals and uh, went out there uh, going Craywick from the three spot, beat Ryan Ayler, Gianna Evaristo. Uh, I mentioned Smith there to get to the final. And so that was Pro Stock Motorcycle. I'm trying to see who else was in yeah so they didn't have top alcohol dragster this weekend that's why tony was in the in the booth uh the standings heading to dallas doug coletta has a 47 point lead on leah pruitt 51 on steve torrance 77 on justin ashley and 96 over antron brown in top fuel and funny car bob tasca has a six-point lead on Robert Height, 13 on Matt Hagen, 33 on Ron Caps. So that's going to go down to the wire. Um, Eric Enders is 25 points out of Greg Anderson, 38 over Matt Hartford, 64 over Dallas Glenn, Aaron Stanfield minus 73 uh, in fifth. Rostock Motorcycle, Gage Herrera has a 99-point lead on Matt Smith, uh, 126 over Hector Rana, 129 over Eddie Craywick. Uh, so, uh, looking like the rookie sensation is going to win his first uh, first t- or win a title in his rookie year. Um, Angel Sampe did that, I think. Uh, 
this rare Gary Selzy did it in Top Fuel. I, I remember that. Uh, I'd have to go back into the into the history books to find out all of that. We'll move over to the Bathurst 1000, the great race. Uh, it's the one everybody wants to win if you are an Aussie uh, drive, or Aussie touring car driver. Craig Lowndes has won it. Uh, uh, is the second most uh, and yeah, 20 straight great race. Debut 94, finish second. Brad Jones, HRT. 25 of the 56 drivers on this year's grid were born after Lowndes' debut. Um, 30 years. I mean, that's insane. 20th straight great. It says who will make his 30th consecutive great race start. Okay, so they've had a misprint over there. So 30 years in a row, uh, tying uh, the great Peter Brock, his uh, mentor, Jim Richards, uh, had 35 consecutive. Lowndes is set to reach at least 32 to take him through 2025. Richards and Lowndes are seven-time winners with Brock leading the way on nine. So two and Richardson. Yeah, so... That's uh something to look at. Of course, Lounsey being in the in the race itself. Um Indian Bathurst one thousand start last, finish first, man. Best best of Bathurst moments. Trying to get entry list information. Um Tickford reveals and uh, trying to do uh, blah, blah, blah. BRT reveals F one uh inspired Bathurst livery. Oh, so they're actually gonna run um Blanchard wildcard Mustang backed by Patronus. So it'll look like the uh, Mercedes F1 car uh, with the black and uh, green and uh, silver. So that's a cool looking car. Um, trying, yeah, so a calendar. Bathurst 1000. Trying to go through there. Trying to you know, schedule qualifying. Um, track schedule. Don't have anything like that. That's fine and well. Trying to get, yeah, Triple H chasing outright Bathurst record. That's not what I need. Um, ah, damn. Uh, that's not what I need. But, um, going to Super, so on Super 2020 promotion, Big Dunlop Series Bathurst. Okay, so that's a Nissan. Um, Trady. Oh, that's a cool looking car. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. That's not. Okay, so I guess I'm not going to get the information that I need. So they, they've changed the website. Looks nice and clean looking, but it's hard to navigate. So there you go. Got to give them credit uh, in that to go and make it hard to navigate, and which is unfortunate when you're trying to go and give uh, information. Okay, there you go. Bathurst. Program eh, trans attending, uh, eh, attending order online. Oh, so that's that. They had a they had a program for the Bathurst 1000. I'm trying to and supercars honor legend milestone. Oh, the 60th running of the Bathurst 1000. So that's great to to that's a historic number. Uh, yeah, this is go more. First path of the V8 era, coming to grips with DGR front, triple H, you know, so, you know, car swap controversy, dumbbell, bathers, eh. or pit stop challenge, modified doors, rear panels, 
for Mustangs. Um, rookie commits to Mathers. Lucky D. Silvestro goes as that. And Enduros, Bathurst, draw. They're getting out 250 wins. So, uh, yeah, the wild card uh, for Shell V Power Racing with Simona Di Silvestro will be instead of a predominantly red uh, car, red shell car, it'll be yellow um, for next uh, for that team. Um, get so there's yeah, wild card livery engineer. And Walker, yeah, yellow 98 sighting octane premium fuel. It's a cool looking car. Hopefully they'll be competitive. Um, 98, and then it's uh, who is the it'll be Simone Di Silvestro and Kai Allen. 28 cars, including the wild cards, uh, Nick Percat and Fabian Coulthard for Walking Sean Dreddy United Ford. Then, uh, Todd Hazelwood, Tim Blanchard for the number three Blanchard Racing for Jack Smith, Jackson Evans, first of the Brad Jones Chevys, James Courtney, Zach Best. For Tickford, number five, Cam Waters and James Moffitt in the Monster Energy Ford, Aaron Love and Jake Kostecki for Blanchard Racing Team. I think that's the Patronus car. Andre Heimgartner and Dale Wood for Brad Jones, Will Brown and Jack Perkins for Coca-Cola Erebus, Anton DePasquale and Tony D'Alberto for Dick Johnson Racing in the Shell V Power Team, Bryce Fullwood and Dean Fiore for uh, Brad Jones Racing, Will Davison and Alex and brother Alex in the number 17 for DJR. Mark Winterbottom and Michael Caruso in uh, the number 18. The uh, Wall Tools, I think. Uh, Chevy for Team 18. Matt Payne, Kevin Estra, Grove Racing, Ford, Scott Pye, Warren Luff in the second Team 18 car. Uh, Premier Racing, Chevy, Tim Slade, and Jonathan Webb. Chaz Moster, Lee Holdsworth in the Walk and Try and Ready United, number 25. David Reynolds and Garth Tander in the second Grove Racing Penwright Ford. Uh, James Golding, Dylan O'Keefe for the second Premier Chevy. Jack LeBrock and Jaden Ojeda for Matt Stone Racing Chevy. Cameron Hill and Jalen Robotham in the second Matt Stone Chevy. Uh, Thomas Randall and Gary Jacobson for... Uh, Tickford Racing, number 55. Declan Frazier and Tyler Everingham in the number 56. Brock Feeney and team owner, team principal, Jamie Wincup in the number 88. Uh, Red Bull Ample Triple Eight Racing Chevrolet. Macaulay Jones and Jordan Boys, number 96 for Brad Jones Racing. Shane Van Gisbergen and Richie Stanaway in the number 97 for Red Bull Ample Triple Eight. Racing Chevrolet. You'll have Simona Di Silvestro, Kai Allen, who's mentioned number 98 for DJR and Shell V Power. The points leader this year, Bodie Kostecki, David Russell in the Erebus Motorsports, Coca Cola Racing Chevrolet, and Craig Lowndes and Zane Goddard. And then the number 888, uh, 888 Racing uh, Engineering Chevrolet. Um, trying to remember who's the sponsor i, I think it's uh uh well it shifted for racing uh yeah i forgot about what the sponsor is but um yeah so he's making a historic start oh so they've got 
the Penride cars are going to have gold. Yeah, so that's a cool-looking cars. Jerry Camaro. Yeah, so after all of that, um, we move forward. Um, Andretti Global, I we mentioned that. So the last thing we'll do, Josh, I'll bring you back in here uh, after it took forever for me to get through the supercars deal. Um, Andretti Global has been approved, at least by... Um, the FIA to be the 11th team on the grid in Formula One, uh, passing their um, passing the rigorous um, guidelines and all to get through. So that's something to see now whether um, the FOM will allow them to get on the grid uh, starting in 2025 uh, is a whole other story. But considering everything we've been talking about with uh, Michael Andretti, and then also his involvement with, um, I keep on forgetting who the guy, the name of the game, I just keep on calling him Gainbridge guy, because um, he's really effing rich. Um, he's basically the co-owner of the organization, and so that's, um, oh, that's an interesting little mock-up of a F1 car with Gainbridge and Napa colors. It looks pretty cool. Um, but Michael Andretti, I mean, he, what is it, 30 years ago, tried to race in Formula One. It didn't go so well for him. There was a confluence of circumstances that took place there when he did try to race in Formula One um, at the prime of his career at McLaren and et cetera, et cetera. But now he wants to come in as an owner, bring Cadillac into the fold. Uh, he's doing... Looks like he's going to get an engine power unit deal with Alpine, for better or worse. Uh, seems like there's a lot of good pieces in place. They're going to have a, a main part of the the major part of the team is going to be in Indianapolis, but then they're going to have a base in Europe as well uh, for, you know, I guess for logistics purposes. But Michael Andretti's team gets approved through the FIA. Now, whether... The teams will out, and the FOM will is the next battle on the on the horizon. But Mike Landretti is uh, putting himself in a place to possibly uh, get the Andretti name on the grid once again in Formula One. Yeah, I mean it's a significant move here. Obviously, the um, FIA um, approves the application, so it's a significant first step and gives them uh legitimacy and what they're trying to do with um this effort and Michael Andretti you know after you know last year has been kind of a struggle uh in this avenue trying to get approved to uh go race in formula 1 a lot of uh drama throughout the you know last year of how you'd be able to achieve this and you know now he gets the application approved so now I can move on to uh, the next step with the Formula One management and begin negotiating with them and, you know, what, negotiating the teams, allowing him into uh, the sport. Obviously, there's been some talk about the teams not being as welcoming uh, to Andretti's entry, but um, I think with this application being approved, I think it definitely gives them uh, the opportunity to start um, 
weighing that question and and begin those discussions and um you know hopefully uh they can uh go positive so you know that we can have a i think a legitimate uh f1 team somebody with you know actual racing experience uh in america someone's raced in formula one that you know understands the sport very very well and has you know family history as well in this sport so uh being a entry and being being a team here in, in Formula One and definitely give a better American presence uh, in the sport. Obviously, there's a lot of American investment already uh, throughout Formula One, but um, I mean Haas is an American Formula One team, but I don't you know nobody gives a shit about Haas, so and they they don't really give anybody a reason to care either. So um, now we have a uh, Andretti, you know who's name is uh, synonymous with speed here in America, you know, at least uh, back in the old days, I don't know about now, but certainly a historical name associated with racing definitely will generate a lot of interest, I think, if, you know, they're able to uh, get get approved and uh, their race team gets formed, then, you know, we'll see, we'll see how competitive they can be early on, but if they make it, so definitely a, a good piece of news to see. And, you know, now we get to see what the next step of uh, negotiations will look like for uh, Andretti here. And I figure that'll go on as uh, we lead into the end of the season for Formula One. I would venture to say, and I don't think I'd be going out on a limb, that this would be a move for 2026 when they have the new uh, power unit and a new aero uh, formula instead of 2025 uh, doing one year and then having to change over i don't think that makes a lot of sense i think timing wise logistics wise um that's probably where they would have to go um the likes of Roden carlin tried to make a move to get that uh, uh team or get that 11th uh, spot high tech and uh the another f2 outfit we're trying to do that, and then there's an link, lick, leak, soons. I don't know how they pronounce that, but um, basically funded my multi-billionaire. Uh, was going to try to have a, a female driver. Uh, seemed like Jamie Chadwick was in play there. So something to look at. I mean, of course, Jamie Chadwick drives for Andretti in uh, Indy next. So something to look at. Colton Herta. All the rumors from last year. So something we'll see what happens with that. It's probably two plus years down the line that they would make their official debut if it gets everything goes through. So something to look forward to as the weeks and months go on. Uh, Formula One will uh, return to Qatar for the first time in a couple of years, and to oh, so they had yeah, there's you know. First time uh, in two years, they took a year in between because of the World Cup for soccer. This year, they return. There's been changes to the pit complex, and um, since the last time they were the Formula One teams were there, um, moving into a busier. Uh, this is a gap in the schedule. They had couple weeks between this race and then it'll be a couple weeks before they go to the United States and Coda and go back to back with Mexico. Uh, the Qatar Grand Prix, uh, Lewis Hamilton dominated this race from pole 
in uh, 2021. Um, but you would assume that Fish Lips will do the same this year, uh, since he's basically done that all year. Um, I'll uh, open up the uh, picks here for F1 Qatar Grand Prix. Uh, and so uh, Fish Lips wins Sprint and locks up WDC with uh, um, Signs and Norris rounding out podium. Podium Fish Lips wins race and with Smooth Operator or with Norris and Smooth Operator uh finishing so they swap places on the podium uh what about you josh who do you think uh will finish uh behind uh fish lips in uh qatar yeah i mean max only needs three points in the sprint race to be able to lock up the championship so it's very attainable there so yeah i mean he wins the the sprint race um in the title there so uh he wins wins the race uh i mean Damn, you really got me there with the the pick because I was honestly thinking the same thing. Uh, you know, I'll say Lando Norris finished second in uh, the sprint and the race, and then I'll say that. Uh, well, you know, I'll just I'll just say uh, that um, Sergio Perez finishes in third in the sprint, and uh, the race will say that. Uh, well, I. Try. I don't want to be. I. I guess I'll say that. Uh, smooth operator finishes. Let's flip the order. Smooth operator second in the race, and then um, Lando Norris in second or in third. So very complicated there, but I had to had to make it different because those are looks like the three best guys in Formula One right now. And signs third in the race. Yeah. yeah so. That's, uh, we got all that down. Fish Lips gets, uh, both wins, uh, Norris. So I had, uh, signs second in the sprint and third in the race. Uh, you and had, and then Norris third in the sprint, second in the race. You have Norris second in the sprint and third in the race. And I ha and have Carlos signs also in third, uh, Checo Perez, the outlier, amongst that group there um lewis hamilton we'll see what mercedes brings to the table he's uh 33 points behind sergio perez for second in the driver's championship uh 16 points out of fernando alonso um carlos Sainz is 15 points out of charlotte claire 24 behind uh his fellow countryman alonso um Leclerc has 20 points on Norris and Russell. Uh, interesting to look at amongst that whole group there from second on through eighth. The Constructors' Championship is 20 points between Mercedes and Ferrari. Um, then Aston Martin is trying to hold off McLaren, who is 28 and 49 points behind Aston Martin. So that's... Uh, uh, that's probably the battle really out. I mean, Mercedes Ferrari, but then the Aston Martin McLaren battles one to look at. And then from Williams all the way to Alpha Tori is 16 points. Now, granted, how likely is it that they're going to race in the top five and get the bigger points to be determined, but there's a lot of movement that could take place amongst those four 
teams, the four theoretical smallest teams on the grid. Uh, I mean, Alpha Tori is basically Red Bull Light. Um, Aston Martin, even though Stroll took over, is the old uh, Jordan F1 team. So, but they have a lot of resources these days. All right, so we'll uh, move forward to the Roval. Um, first, we'll start with the um, drive for the Cure 250 um, Xfinity race. 42 drivers, 42 cars for 38 spots. So we'll um, get into, you know, go through the entry list. Uh, you know, usual suspects, of course, regulars. Um, Weatherman and Pool. Josh Balicki will be in the 07 for SS Greenlight. Stefan Parsons in the 08 for SS Greenlight. Um, Hamrick continues, of course, in the 10 for Colleague. And the number 11 this weekend will be Jordan Taylor, uh, Rodney Sandstorm driving the LA Golf Chevy. Boris said the Ageless Wonder, the Sedheads get to come out of hibernation i mean he is driving ta1 but um getting in a competitive ride greg ives the hendrick cars number 17 chevy uh this weekend uh trying to go and qualify first of all but then to try and compete in what might or sounds like is going to be his last nascar race ever sammy smith uh oh yeah of course he's been there so um trevor bean in the 19 for gibbs Connor Mozak in the 24 for Sam Hunt with Sherry Strong on the car. Uh, you know, Moffitt coming off of that Truck Series win. Yeah, uh, Alex Gwinnett, the driver from the Pinty Series, uh, getting into the Emmerling Gase number 35. Graf in the 38. Um, Ryan Ellis, 43 for Alpha Prime. Rajar Karuth in the 44. Ralph for Prime, Leland Honeyman in number 45. Preston Pardis in another appearance with uh, Family Run number 50. Connor Daly driving the second Emerlin Gase uh, car. Sage Karam driving for Carl Long and MBM. Devin Jones, whoever he is. Um, Alex LeBay in the number 91. Can't count him out on a road course. Uh, Josh Williams, Kyle Segan, the 28, and Andy Lally driving for Peterson Racing Group, uh, whoever that is, in a number 87. Definitely will have to make the show on uh, time because they have no points to fall back on there. So, yeah, uh, you went uh, there first, so... um, you get or went just now for formula one you get to go first for the xfinity race it is a cutoff so i guess it's uh who do you pick to win who is your wild card and who advances into uh the round of eight i mean obviously john hunter justin allgaier have won cole custer is um advanced through points uh, who makes it in, and who goes? Who ends their uh, chance at a championship? Uh, those are questions leading into uh, the um, Roval. Um, all right. So, yeah, for the winner, um, 
You know, I mean, it's really easy for me. Uh, I'm going to go with Justin Allgaier, road course expert, I think, in the Xfinity Series. And, you know, funnily enough, um, in the Roval history, there have only been two winners, A.J. Allmendinger and Chase Briscoe, uh, in this. And so it would actually be only the third time we've had a different winner uh, here at uh, the the Roval. So, um, yeah, Justin Allgaier has had a good record here over the years. And, you know, he's generally been a good road course driver throughout his career so uh i will pick him uh this weekend here uh my wild card uh will be uh boar's head in the 17 um that's uh yeah that's a callback to an old joke from 2003 when my baseball coach asked me who was on the pole for sonoma and my dad told me to say boar's head because uh, he thought it was funny so um yeah that's how i think of that but um yeah, he uh, we'll see what he can do in a Hendrick car. He's been um, been a good road course driver over the years, and uh, in NASCAR, and certainly has uh, you know been somebody that's uh, been pretty quick uh, there. And uh, I guess for the points for the elimination, uh, pull up the point standings here in Xfinity. Uh, pull that up, driver points. Uh, who's on the bubble and who uh, needs to win to get in. Uh, well, Dan Hemrick is on the edge. Parker Kligerman only one point out. Justin or er, er, Josh Berry uh, significantly out. Sam Mayer also significantly out of points. And Jeb Burton. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that uh, Daniel Hemrick doesn't make it. I'm gonna, I don't think. Jeb Burton, Josh Berry, or Sam Mayer can make it. Sam Mayer is one on a road course. Uh, he's been pretty good, one at Watkins Glen and at uh, Road America. So, um, you know, he's definitely a, has a good chance to pull it out and win. But, you know, I just can't see it, you know, with um, the way his playoffs have been going on so far. Josh Berry, uh, decent at road course racing as well, but. Um, he's just been struggling this year as well, and I think that's just a, a lot of points to make up. So uh, Parker Kligerman, only one point out. I think he can definitely point his way into uh, the playoffs at the very least. We saw how good he's run at road courses at different points this year. Uh, look at uh, when he ran at uh, Portland International Raceway, uh, had a really good run there uh, and everything. So, um yeah, he, he has a good chance to make it in round of eight, so I'm going to say that he makes it in over Daniel Hemrick uh, there. So, yeah, it should be an interesting Xfinity race, last road course race of the year. So uh, looking forward to seeing some good action here uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, usually the Xfinity series is known for more carnage and more. I mean, there's definitely carnage in this race anyway, but a lot more stuff goes on in the Xfinity um for sure uh my pick to win this weekend at charlotte pretty difficult uh i mean you brought up the fact that briscoe the original winner first winner at the roval and then since then aj elmendinger had won every roval race in the xfinity series um yeah i think for this weekend i'm gonna go This is really tough. I mean, yeah, you got the one that makes the most sense. Uh, you know what? I'll just I'll just go with this. Parker Kligerman gets his first career Xfinity win uh, at the Roval. 
and locks himself into the round of eight by doing that. Um, so that would be my pick. It just seems like that's probably the path of least resistance. Parker Kligerman earns wins to win first Xfinity race and advance. I'm going to, it's, it's kind of a, it really is a wild card because of money, equipment, the whole deal. I'll go with Sage Karam with the MBM. He has the experience these days uh, as a wild card, uh, but, you know, and, but Carl Long's team, they haven't run a whole lot of races. I think maybe they're putting all their eggs in the basket to try to be competitive this weekend with new tires and this and, and the like. So hopefully that is the case uh, for them. And uh, in terms of who gets eliminated, I, I mean, I am going to, agree with uh with josh's uh call that hamrick falls out and jeb burton josh berry and sam Mayer also um end their uh title chances you know Hem- yeah so so yeah i'm just gonna copy that so that's uh what we both uh, agree or concur on uh who's going getting going out who's Going in, uh, just have Parker Kligerman winning the race instead of pointing his way into the round of eight. Last but not least will be the Cup Series Bank of America Roval 400 uh, this weekend. 37 uh, drivers for 40 spots, so of course no failing to qualify, none of that. Um, Ross Chastain, Worldwide Express this weekend. Gumby, Sindrick, Menards, and Cardell camp cabinetry. Bald Spot, Dylan, Huck, Performance, Fishing, or H-U-K, or I don't know. Uh, Kevin Harvick, Driving a Ream, Chasing a Cure, so it'll be a pink, black and white uh, Ford Mustang for him. Valvoline for Larson, Castro Ledge for Keselowski, Gainbridge for Corey LaJoy, Lenovo for Kyle Busch. Napa back on the car this weekend for William Clyde Elliott II. I hop back on the car for Eric Almirola. Uh, Mavis, discount tire and brakes for Hamlin. Blaney, uh, yeah, Mavis, discount tire and brakes. Yeah, while discount tire itself will be on uh, YRB's number 12. Ford Performance Racing School on Chase Briscoe's number 14. Um, Andy Lally will be driving the 15 with uh, um, Camping World on the car, I think, because it seems like he made that deal with Marcus Slomonis on social media. AJ Allmendinger will have Celsius on uh, number 16. Fifth Third Bank for Christopher Busher. Bass Pro for Martin Truex. Uh, DeWalt Plumbing Solutions for Christopher Bell. Harrison Burton with Motocraft Quick Lane announced that he'll be back for a third season in the Wood Brothers 21. Uh, Shell Pennzoil for Joey Logano, Lidos for Bubba Wallace, HP for William Byron, Leaf Filter for Justin Haley, Love's Travel Stops for Michael McDowell, Zane Smith in the Ambetter Health uh, 38, Ryan Priest, Autodesk and Haas Tooling in the 41, Mike Rockefeller driving the Legacy 42, 
Um, Eric Jones will go back to having a Legion on the 43. Jordan Brand on the 45 for Tyler Reddick. Richard with Harris Teeter and Totino's on the 47. Of course, ally for Alex Bowman. The 51, it will be uh, Todd Gillen more than likely because uh, that's what's, what's been going on this year when uh, uh, Zane Smith has taken over the 38. Keebler Gibbs will have interstate batteries on his uh, 54. Austin Hill will be driving this weekend in the 62 for Beard Motorsports. Uh, Ty Dillon doesn't have a sponsor listed. Ziegler Auto Group for Josh Balicki and Live Fast. And then Daniel Suarez, Aguas Frescas, um, the number 99 for Trackhouse Racing. For Yeah, so Minute Made Aguas Frescas, very colorful car uh, for National Hispanic Heritage Month. So it'll be an uh, interesting, uh, cool-looking car there. Uh, for me, we'll... Uh, Go first for the Roval, and uh, I mean, look at these drivers. You think about some of these uh, guys that need to win or could use a win to get in, um, and it kind of leans towards. There's two guys I would say for that. Uh, there are a couple other drivers that are above the cut line at the moment that seem like favorable choices. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick to win uh, this weekend and get himself into the round of eight with the victory uh, in for the Cup Series at Charlotte. Uh, Phil Reddick to win and advance. Uh, my wild card selection for this weekend's race. Now that is difficult. That uh, is another tough choice. Uh, it's pretty, it's more straightforward because the road racing has become uh, seemingly easy on the cup side. It's hard, it's kind of hard to say that, but it, it is. Um, can't, yeah, I wanted to do that, but can't do that because, um, uh, hmm. you know, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll go with AJ Allmendinger. Why not? Uh, I, was, I was thinking about it. It was going to be kind of difficult, but then I just thought about it. I was like, it's A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, he's won so many times at the Roval. So they're a wild card to get bring a, bring some hardware home uh, to uh, Tara and their new baby, uh, getting a victory in the Cup Series again. Uh, that would be the wild card choice for me. And in terms of who uh, gets through, I say Tyler Reddick wins, so he would get through. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say Kyle Busch gets eliminated. Ross Chastain, the driver who finished second in points uh, in 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 2022, gets eliminated. Unfortunately, Daryl Walsh Jr. Um, goes by the wayside because of, um, I guess, the bad strategy and bad luck in a sense in the first two races of this round, losing out on stage points that they probably could have earned and uh i'm gonna go and say kyle larson even though he's won three races this year even though hendrick motorsports is pretty good at these road courses i'm gonna say kyle larson gets eliminated in this round uh due to his lack of his inconsistencies and they get themselves involved 
in a in some one some accident it basically puts them out out of it um arson uh which means uh i i advanced uh brad keselowski by doing that as well uh so keselowski and everything else stays the same uh bubba so yeah dwj uh chastain and bush get eliminated uh josh you get the last call here for your picks for winner and wild card and who goes gets eliminated from the playoff here at the charlotte oval yeah i mean it's interesting um you know with how you're choosing choosing your elimination and um i mean i i think you know starting off who gets eliminated um i agree with bubble getting eliminated i think he's got too big of a deficit uh to um eighth place um if in your situation if reddick wins then that i mean if if things were to stay the same um he's got a you know 15 points or he's got almost um you know almost 20 points 22 points to uh kyle larson uh in that situation um brad gets bumped out in that situation uh, if if it stays the same so it's you know a lot of a lot of spots there chastain same deal kyle bush basically gonna need a winner in so uh yeah so in this in this situation you know for the winner uh i'm gonna say that chris busher wins this race um i'll say that wild card uh well yeah i'll say that uh Austin Cindric. If you're gonna go with the road course guy, that's good. I'll say that Austin Cindric, another guy that's good on the road courses in general, I'll say he's gonna be a wild card this weekend. Um and then elimination, uh I'll say Reddick gets in on points. Keslowski, uh, I'm gonna fade him here. And Bubba Wallace, Gross Chastain, Kyle Bush all fail to make it into this uh round of eight here. So um yeah, Bubba, good season, but you know he just hasn't had the things go his way. And probably best chance to win was at Texas, uh, considering the situation. Chastain just hasn't been good on pace all year. Bush fallen off uh, since Michigan, basically. So, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. And I, Keselowski, I don't think he's good enough on road courses to be able to um, close the gap or build enough points gap on on Reddick there. Uh, and in your case, if Reddick wins, I think he falls out. So, and Larson, I, I think he's not going to make the same mistake that he did last year, getting into the wall, uh, coming back onto the oval part of the track. Uh, I don't think he'll make that uh, same issue there again. Uh, so, I think, yeah, it should be an interesting one. Uh, definitely could be wild, and you know, I could could make more wilder predictions here. You know, with somebody in the top half of the standings falling out, but you know, it's just, uh, it's, you know, it'd basically be calling for calamity here and that's really hard to predict and everything. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I'll go with. Yeah. And I mean, there is definitely that aspect that could take place because it is a roval getting, getting past Talladega, which is also a similar type of situation. Um, albeit on a super speedway versus a essentially tight, uh, street course type setting uh, uh get in we'll give an update seattle's up 24 to 3 uh 
what is it? Some D Witherspoon took uh got a pick six off of Daniel Jones for a ninety seven yard pick six. Um Gano, the only points they've scored the Giants is a fifty five yard field goal. Um Geno Smith threw the DK Metcalf, Kenneth Walker uh got a touchdown, Jason Myers, uh 34-yard field goal just a couple minutes ago. Um, Kenneth Walker right now is 83 yards on 16 attempts and a touchdown. Uh, Drew Locke is only two for five on 63 yards. Uh, Daniel Jones has two interceptions. I'm trying to get through yeah, Metcalf. Uh, the team, I'm literally, it's the, I'm, and there's another sack. So I'm getting, uh, I would have beat every other team in the league that, that league this week except for the team i'm going against uh because of not because it's really the defense of seattle playing a sieve of an offense that is the giants and um kenneth walker to third uh 32 and you know, 46 points uh for those two and then tyler lockett had four receptions for uh 54 yards so i go from possibly getting to 4-0 in this league to falling into a five-way tie at 3-1 and so that sucks in terms of the matchups here uh in fall brawl um luke has daniel jones even with two interceptions uh and one fumble lost uh, he still got 19 points out of um, Daniel Jones, because of the first downs, 66 rushing yards. Uh, yeah, 13 total first downs there. Uh, Geno Smith, uh, not in the game. DK Metcalf, after the touchdown, been quiet. Nick Bosa put up a donut yesterday, didn't know that. Um, yeah, the defensive linemen are just really bad in this thing. But, yeah, so right now, uh, Josh is getting a decent performance out of kenneth walker but unfortunately he needs more uh and i don't think he's gonna get that because they're already up three scores uh, so gonna come close but no cigar uh matt will looks like unless um kenneth walker can get another tutty if he gets another tutty then it that'll change the situation so he just lost four yards on a play there so uh Got to the two-minute warning, so Seattle's going to get the victory. Um, keep up in the NFC West there with uh, the L.A. Rams. Um, Arizona took the loss against the 49ers, as mentioned earlier. Uh, Josh, will uh, open the floor uh, for uh, your sim segment. Let us know what's going on in the world of iRacing and gaming and what we should be looking for this coming week. Yeah, one real quick on that game. uh yeah, Kenneth Walker almost had a uh, he had a big run and almost broke for a touchdown, so um, would have flipped things right there, and I probably would have won. But that's that's all right. Uh, and yeah, going on to iRacing, I mean, last week just did uh, some draft masters to the Xfinity car uh, in Daytona, uh, which uh, yeah, that's just uh, open setup Daytona, so um, not quite pack racy. I mean, there was definitely a uh, definitely the chance uh for the big one happened and somehow managed to avoid it uh but after that the field thinned out and then it's basically just uh bump drafting and uh locking on for tandems so kind of like what we see in real life uh there and 
was pulling a lot faster speeds than when you're in the you know inside of a, a pack and you have to lift and everything for the uh guy uh in front of you so you don't run run them over and everything so um yeah it was last week um this week on iRacing on the oval side starting off uh, of course the oval side with road courses you've got the charlotte roval for uh cup and uh xfinity in uh uh the game and then in uh the truck side is on iowa so obviously a diversion there because there is no truck racing this week uh, on on the real life schedule uh the 87 car has daytona um gen 4 car has uh chicago land speedway delara indycar at the chicago street course uh so that will be interesting uh with uh, another street course on in the game uh and actually might have some decent I mean, the track isn't that great, but I feel like open-wheel cars definitely more suited for a street race versus the stock car uh, there. We've got the super late model at New Smyrna Speedway, uh, the late model stock uh, at Myrtle Beach before they tore it down, uh, Delara IR01 at uh, Pocono Raceway, and then Draft Masters switched over to uh, Talladega this week now. And with uh, the 87 uh, car starting out for for the week, so uh, that should be interesting. Uh, there uh, definitely will be a mess, of course, with the 87 car uh, on that. Um, and then let's see what else what else is in this uh, on the road side, the road series side. You have the Formula Fords at the Charlotte Roval, uh, Formula V also at the at the Legends road course which that's a little bit of a different layout so the roval but it utilizes the legends course rather than the full oval so that's a bit of a different one there uh you've got road america and the radical sr10 uh global endurance uh series at spa this week uh, you got super formula uh at spa as well then the Formula One car at Magni Core, uh, the uh, see another endurance. Let's see uh, another GT4 endurance series, uh, multi-class, 720 minutes. Uh, so that's definitely a long one at VIR. Uh, 720 minutes is that like I don't I have to is that what, 720? That's probably let me let me like do some quick math there. I don't know how long that is. Isn't that 12 hours? 12 hours, yeah. I think, maybe. Yeah, 12-hour race, so I don't know if I have time for that this week. <laughs> A 12-hour uh, challenge race endurance at VIR. Race at VIR, which I'm. that's not really a road course that I'm good at. I'm still trying to figure that one out. It's definitely a tougher one, but it's on there if you want to do a 12-hour endurance race this week. Uh, what time? Let's see, because that's got to be a, a schedule uh this week um oh that's not until december so i guess iRacing is still having it listed on there this is only a a four four time a year uh road course series and the next one is in december but i guess i was reading it and it has it listed on the schedule here or on the series active series list this week for whatever reason and then imsa imsa endurance series uh at watkins Glen on the boot layout this week 
Um, got the Global MX-5 Cup at Laguna Seca, GT3 Fixed Series at uh, Laguna Seca as well. And then the Open Wheel uh, USF 2000s, Indy Pro 2000s at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway on the Oval. So uh, Road Course Series coming onto the Oval for C and D Class uh, American uh, Open Wheel Series. And then you've got the GR Cup, Toyota GR Cup at Redskogan Motor Center and the Clio Cup there as well. So, yeah, that's basically all the series on iRacing um, this week on the oval and roadside. Um, I mean, we can go dirt oval if you're, um, people are interested in that. I mean, you've got Eldora, Knoxville, Lanier, Speedway, uh, Lima Land, Motorsports Park, Port Royal, the dirt track at Charlotte, Volusia Speedway Park, USA International Speedway, uh, all on uh, dirt this week. Uh, for street stocks, sprint cars, late models, uh, modifieds. So there's that there as well if people are interested in dirt midgets. If people are interested in watching uh, dirt or doing dirt racing, I'm not really that good at it, so I don't really participate in that. I stick to oval and road racing, and partly because I have to change my steering settings uh, to be more responsive, and I'd have to do some recalibration there to kind of replicate the dirt feel. But... Um, and you know responsiveness that you need for that but yeah that's all the series this week on iRacing definitely try to hit up the Roval uh, a few times this week um, probably hit up some of the more road road course racing side as well 87 cars as usual so there's definitely plenty of opportunity for fun and possible wins here this week uh, on iRacing so probably try to stream one of them or two of them maybe we'll see and uh, go on there so course streams at twitch tv slash ucl2 and go in there and watch and see the racing on there and you know see how i do uh, of course we'll post try to tweet it out which of course and tweet out the show when we post it which of course uh find that at jp huffine for me uh and then the youtube channel for this show at uh gripster podcast on youtube which you can go ahead and like and subscribe and uh, comment on that on all our videos so yeah definitely a good discussion here on the show um, glad we had good racing this past weekend at talladega and good football action as well to uh close out the week and you know we'll go into this week and go into this wild roval race here uh on sunday and saturday and we'll see how it goes and of course formula one on sunday as well uh to um bore us in between the uh nascar races so uh definitely should be a good weekend of racing here coming up for sure. Yep, absolutely. You're getting down into the nitty-gritty in the last couple of months of the the season in terms of racing in general. Uh, but we'll definitely continue to give you guys all the takeaways and information on that. Uh, you can find us on X at uh, Grip Strip Pod. You can find me at PG Matthew 28 on X. I can find the Gripture podcast uh, on Podbean, which was our host site. You can also find it at philipgmatthew.com. Of course, check out the YouTube page, Gripture Podcast, that Josh uh, handles the video feed. There, uh, we try or try to do our best. I mean, Josh is better than me in that sense, of course. So credit to you on that, uh, to getting it out there 
but we'll uh, get the show out here for this week and uh, move forward next week uh, to episode 190 of the Grip Strip Podcast, uh, recapping the Roval, recapping Qatar for Formula One, and uh, the Bathurst 1000, and whatever else is going on in the world of motorsports and in the NFL we'll talk about next week on the Grip Strip Podcast. So thanks, as always, for listening and supporting, and uh, we'll see you around the corner uh, next time on the GSP.